Aki. Welcome. My name is Jono. I'm the youth pastor here. I help young people connect with God, live their best lives, and try and have fun while they do it. I'm going to be reading the Bible for us. The Bible reading is from 1 Chronicles, chapter 23, and I'll be reading verses 1 to 5, which you'll see on the screen above me. 1 Chronicles, chapter 23. When David was old and full of years, he made his son Solomon king over Israel. He also gathered together all the leaders of Israel, as well as the priests and Levites. The Levites, 30 years old or more, were counted, and the total number of men was 38,000. David said, of these, 24,000 are to be in charge of the work of the temple of the Lord, and 6,000 are to be officials and judges. 4,000 are to be gatekeepers, and 4,000 are to praise the Lord with the musical... I have provided for that purpose. Thanks, Jono. Thanks, Jackie and Tim. So if you've, I don't know, if going to church is something you do regularly or infrequently, uh, you'd have to agree with me, that's like a weird Bible reading, hey? No? That was weird. Yeah, you guys, you go to chapel. Like, when last did you hear a niche Bible reading like that? That was, that was peculiar. Uh, but intentionally peculiar, because what we're going to think about today is this question, given that the choir's here, why music? And uh, music's important, right? Really, really important. It's so important, and this is the point I want to make from this obscure Bible reading. Uh, way back in the Old Testament, David's at the end of his life. He's the great king over Israel. If you've been around church a bit, you'll know David, like the man after God's own heart, the original quintessential polymath. He was a warrior. He was a lover. He was a poet. He was a musician. He was a king. He was a ruler. He was a priest. He was everything. And at the end of his life, David's setting up the temple. And, uh, and music is so important that he takes the Levites, who are this whole tribe, one of the 12 tribe, who've, their job now is to serve God in the temple. And he uh, assembles a uh, 4,000 of them as musicians, and he gives them musical instruments. Like, that's a lot of musicians, right? And it's a lot of musical instruments. It's even more astounding when you realize that the whole culture was a subsistence culture where the uh, generation of surplus capital was extraordinarily hard. Like, saving money was hard. The vast 98% of people lived on the on the border of starvation, like one failed harvest and your village died. So in that context, David had managed to save up an enormous amount of money and he invested an enormous amount of money and manpower in music. Why? Why music? Well, uh, think back to your youth. Some of you are in your youth. So those of us who are of riper years, so to speak. Um, what was the first piece of music that you can remember that really profoundly, deeply moved you? Can you remember that? Have a think. Turn to the person next to you who you came with, if you've got an idea, and go, what was the first, the first bit of music that, you, that actually got in, got under your skin, and you went, ah, oh, wow, okay? Have a chat. (laughs) 
Okay, it won't take long. You get a fast car. So it's 19... To to it's 1988. Just finished year 12. I'm in Cape Town. And uh, it's the end of the apartheid era in Cape Town. The townships all around us are in flames. I've finished school. I'm at medical school. My, my father's just got out of jail. Uh, there's, there's chaos in the country. There's violence all around us. And I heard this song. Anyone know what it is? Fast car, Tracy Chapman. It's up there. Yeah, I know. Didn't work, did it? Trying to see who is going to... Except I could see all your heads nodding. This song still moves me to tears. Because I heard that as a young man. I just wanted to get out of there. And don't we all? And this world of chaos and brokenness. That music just got under my skin and went, ha, oh, there's a way out. You don't have to be stuck. You don't have to be stuck in this messy world. So why music? Why music? I don't know if you've had such a powerful experience. Most of us have. There's a song or songs that often from our youth that you go, wow, that's it. That captures everything. That's a, a way in. What I want to talk to you about is why music is so significant for us. Why it gets into us. Why, you know, 20 years later, listening to that song and talking about it will still bring me to the brink of tears. Uh, and, it's a, and it's a deep question. It's not an easy question, so I'm going to ask you to think hard with me about this. Uh, and it's very important, and, I, and it's wonderful you're here and, and, and you're all musical, because it, how you answer this question of why music really gives you an answer to all of life, right? So let's have a go at it. The first thing you've got to think about is why music is... Um, there's really two ways to think about our life. And uh, one way is that we live life uh, in a room, in a box, with four walls, brick walls, and there's no way out. Right? That's life. Another way to think of it, and if I, you know, resort to my um, uh, beautiful drawing. Where's that picture? Hmm. Another way, if you take this and if you take this, uh, you can think about life like this. Here are the brick walls, right? And here's you or me. And I live in this world, and this is the world of what I can taste, what I can touch, what I can feel, what I can smell. The physical world, the material world. And... Uh, and in this world, this is the way most of us view the world. It's what, what a, a, a philosopher called Peter Kreef calls um, the nothing buttery world. Okay. 
the nothing buttery world. And a nothing buttery world says that in our lives, in your life, in my life, there's nothing but the material. So I live in this closed system, and what I've got is just this world, right? Uh, here's how he puts it with a little uh, more detail. He says this, uh, it's nothing buttery. Love is nothing but lust. Minds are nothing but brains, and brains are nothing but soft computers. Souls are nothing but psyches. Uh, heaven is nothing but dreams. Justice is nothing but negotiated power. Man is nothing but a lucky evolutionary accident. God is nothing but a projection. And the whole universe is nothing but a very large quantity of material energy, or perhaps in the last analysis, nothing but a very, very complex mathematical equation. The nothing buttery world, where the physical is all there is, okay? And we live in this world. This is, by the way, how many of us and most of us in our culture think about the world and function in the world and live in this world. It's a nothing buttery world. It's a world where we, are, where we run up against brick walls, metaphysical brick walls. This is all there is. It's a world where we uh, live in this material box. Yeah, oh, that's all very philosophical, Mark. In a nothing buttery world, why music? Like, in a nothing buttery world, music is just what? It's sound waves that bump against your eardrum, that move the little bones inside your inner ear, that uh, connect with the cilia, the little, that send neural pathways, send a little neural signals to your brain that you experience as music. That is nothing but that, right? That's all it is. The problem with the nothing buttery world is that you can't live on butter. Like, it doesn't work. Like, actually, when we think about music, for example, we think, huh, no, it's not just sound waves. I mean, it might be, for sure. But I think deep in our hearts, we know it's not just sound waves. You know it's not. You know there's something more going on when you sing, don't you? When you're in the moment, when that music cuts through, yeah, huh, something more. And that's important because... The, the most important, one of the most fundamental questions you and I have to grapple with is, do we live in a world where there's nothing but the material? Or do we live in a world where maybe on the other side of the wall, there's something more? And we get a glimpse of the something more, don't we? In all sorts of ways. Uh, Shakespeare put it this way. Um, he put it in Hamlet's uh, speech to Horatio. He said, There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt in, of in your philosophy. Right? There's more. There's something more. Why music? Music is one of those things that, that says we don't live 
in a world with brick walls all around us. But in the walls of this world, in the material reality that we live in, you know what? There are windows to the something more. And music is one of the windows to the something more. Music, as it were, is, uh, is, a, is a hole punched in the material world to let the transcendent and the spiritual in. That's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so moving. That's why uh, it changes us. That's why music stirs up in us a yearning to get away the fast car. That's why music stirs up in us a longing for love that's more than just lust, even though much contemporary music seems to get the two confused and try to suggest we settle for lust. But we know music won't ever let us settle for lust because music says there's something more. There's, there's a hole punched in the world and there's, the, there's, there's love that comes in through that hole and we know that's what we long for. We know that music, music can give us hope in our grief. When you've experienced great loss and trauma and grief, you know that music can break in and say to you that loss and grief and suffering and death is not the end. Like music does that, right? Because it's a hole in the brick wall of materialism that opens us up to the something more. And if we want to use some big words to the transcendent and the metaphysical, those are big words for 10.30 on a Sunday morning, but you know, you're SAC students, you'll get it all, right? You're fine. Uh, this is what Martin Luther, who is a, a, a fascinating guy, he uh, was a crazy German monk who lit the spark that brought about the Reformation and this massive change in history in Germany. And Luther said this um, as a leader of the church. He said, whether you wish to comfort the sad, to terrify the happy, to encourage the despairing, to humble the proud, to calm the passionate, or to appease those full of hate, and who could number all these masters of the human heart, namely the emotions, inclinations, and affections that impel humans to evil or good, what more effective means than music could you find? It's something more, right? And, and it's a window from beyond that draws the something more out of us as well. The, the longing to be better than ourselves, doesn't it? It's like music lifts you up and you go, ha, ah, I'm, I'm not just an animal. I'm something more. And there's something more in this world. And I can do better. I mean, why do we... Why do we sing school songs? Because you have to. Why do you sing school? Because the, the music is designed as a school to say, you can, you can reach your potential, you can be better, you can live into this, you can, you can stand up tall and pull your shoulders back and be a better version of you, and we as a school can be a better version of us. Why do countries have national anthems? Same reason, Babui. I grew up uh, in uh, Rhodesia, part of my growing up, I became Zimbabwe. And uh, in the Civil War and the Bush War, the insurgency in Rhodesia, and as a little kid going to school, uh, what would we do every day? We'd sing the national anthem, and then we'd sing what were called troopy songs. The troops were the guys, our dads, and older brothers who were in the bush fighting this insurgency. 
and, uh, and every country that goes to war has songs for its population to sing and for its army to sing. There's a, there's a Netflix movie called The Soundtrack of War, looking at the role of music in the, uh, in the Iraq war, with it following American troops and the soundtracks that they'd play in their armored vehicles as they, went in, as they invaded Iraq in the first Iraq war. But I remember as a kid, what does music do? Music breaks in and says, this crazy, messed up, stupid war is not the last word that actually we can be better versions of ourselves. We can be brave. We can be strong. Music is a a breaking into the world of the something more. And I don't think you can explain it. Uh, It's power just in the nothing buttery world. So what I'm trying to suggest to you this morning is there are very good reasons to believe in God and music is one of them. Now, not a knockdown reason, uh, but, but, but I really believe that the something more is a God who, for example, has created music and made music as something to enable us to connect with him and to learn that there is something more, to draw out the better version of ourselves. So I'm trying to convince you that there's a God. Now, you may not be convinced, and that's fine. It's not a knockdown argument, you know. I, no one will ever argue anyone. I love arguments, did a lot of philosophy in my time. Uh, no one will ever argue you to a place of faith. But what I'm trying to do is say, you know what? You listen to music, and if music does its job, it's going to open you to a world where uh, there are windows, windows to the divine, windows to lighten up your life, and windows where you can actually get a glimpse of God. But now, imagine living in a house where there were only windows. How would that work as a house? Be a little weird, right? What else does a house need in addition to windows? What's that? Privacy. Yeah, you need window coverings. You live in Belmain. There's a neighbors close by. I get that. Okay. So you need window coverings. Good idea. I was thinking, what else does a house need in addition to windows? Needs doors. Needs doors. You see, in our human hearts, uh, it's great that we live in a world with windows where we can get a glimpse of the divine and a glimpse of there's something more. But the question is, how do I, do I have to climb out of the window to find God? Does God have to climb through the window to find me? Or is there a doorway between our world and the next? Uh, Every house needs a door. And uh, that's an important question, isn't there? Like, is there a door? Is there a way that, that God can connect with you? Like, I don't know, is there any more important question than that in your life? Like, I know some of you are in year 12, right? Good on you guys. I'm so impressed that you were here singing even though in year 12, and I know it's a good excuse to get away from studying, but well done. But in year 12, everyone's going to ask you, what are you going to do with your life? And it all feels so terribly important, you know, what result you're going to get at the end of it and all the rest of it. And it is important. And then when you get older, you know, you get in your 20s, and it's like, what's really important is, who am I going to marry? Am I going to find someone who loves me? And And what am I going to do for work? And am I going to be successful? That's really important. And then, you know, maybe you have some kids. And it's like, what am I going to do with my kids? What sort of people are they going to be? 
And, and life throws at us all these important questions. And as we get older, it's like, <laughs> you know, and you hit middle age, you know, 70. Um, <laughs> just putting it out there. Uh, and then you go, well, what was it all about? What, what is the meaning and purpose? I've done all this work. I've raised these kids. I've paid all these school fees. So what? I would say the most important question is, is there a door? Is there a way out for us? And equally, is there a way in for God? Yeah? Like, imagine this. If there is a God, if there is a God, surely connecting with that God is like the most important thing that any of us could do. It's actually substantially more important, if there is a God, that we connect with this God. It's more important than what you get in your HSC or your IB, as important as that is. It's actually more important than what you do with who you marry and you know, how successful you are in reproducing and propagating your genetic material. And it's more important than what promotions you get at work and you know, how large your superannuation is at the end of it all. Is there a door? Is there a way to connect with God? So, and this is the good news of Christianity. I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this. I, I find this fascinating to think about. You know, Jesus, Jesus, who's kind of at the center of Christianity, um, Jesus describes himself as a door. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus says he's a door. Okay. Sunday school quiz question. And I see a couple of clergy persons here. Not looking anywhere at anyone in particular, Phil Wheeler. But, you know, um, where does Jesus describe himself as a door? Ah, Maggie, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is a great, that is, that is a very good quote, but it's not quite the one I was after. John 10. Jan, you're a champion. There we go. Look product of great Sunday school teaching. Jesus says this in John 10, verse 9. Uh, he says, I am the gate, or the door, and whoever enters through me will be saved. Now, um, he is saying, you know, music stirs in us this awareness that there's something more. And Jesus says, I've come to punch a hole in the wall of your life to open up a door to the divine. I've come to actually make it possible for ordinary messed up people like you and like me to actually connect with God. Like that's outrageous, right? Like you, you don't have to make the door yourself. You don't have to kick in the door. Jesus says, I'm the door, just come through me. And, and that's the good news. You know, every emotion, every yearning, every longing that music stirs up in us, Jesus says, I've come as the door. If you come through me, every one of those yearnings or longings or hopes will be fulfilled. You want hope? Jesus says, come through me to a place where your hope is fulfilled. Jesus says, you want love? Oh my God, do we not all want love? He says, come to me and I'll take you through this door. I'll take you to a world where love triumphs. He says, do you want justice in a world where, oh my goodness, isn't there, there's so much evil and suffering. Jesus says, come through me. I'm the door into a world where justice triumphs. 
Do you want... Do you want to live forever in a world without pain, without loss, without grief, where you never have to say goodbye, where time never robs you of your precious memories, like a world where, you know, I, I was out with this young parents group this morning and I looked at these beautiful kids and, and I now look at my kids and they're, they're 16 and they're 18 and they're at the end of their schooling and, and and my goodness, I love my kids, but I look at those little babies out there and my heart breaks because I go, that's gone for me. Time has robbed me of the joy of parenting little kids. And that's terrible, but that's what time does to all of our most precious, beautiful memories and experiences. Time will rob you of your marriage, of your family, of your grandkids. It'll unpick the fabric of your life. Do you long for a world where time won't do that? where every experience of joy and love and beauty and community will never be taken from you, but will just grow in intensity. Jesus says, I am the door who opens that experience up for you. How do you go through that door? Well, there's another. Jesus talks about a door in another way, and he says this in Revelation 3, 20. He says, here I am. I stand at the door. Now, what's that door? Well, doors open from two sides, don't they? So the same way that, we, that Jesus comes in and kicks in the door from heaven to us, he's also saying, hey, you've got some control over that door from your side. And he says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So Jesus says this, I've punched windows in the wall of this world so that music and beauty and truth can break in and there you can know there's something more. And then he says, I've done something else. I'm, I'm the door. I've created a pathway for you and God. And then he says, but now it's up to you because you know what? God takes our choices enormously seriously. Like God says to you, in the end, the door's there. I'm the door, but you've got to open the door yourself. You've got to choose You've, I've, got to, I've got to say to Jesus, yeah, I want that something more. And we're terrified of that. I remember so vividly as a young man being terrified of this verse because I thought, holy crap, if I let God into my life, what on earth is going to happen? I was sure he'd make me miserable because isn't that what God does, Right? Makes us miserable. And eventually I had the courage to say to Jesus, come in. And what I found is, is I was actually opening up my heart to the divine, to the transcendent, to joy, to love, to hope, to everything that I long for. So uh, that's why music. Because if you let music do its work, you'll end up asking Jesus into your life where it takes you if you've got the courage. You don't have to go there, for sure, because he takes our choices very seriously, but that's its purpose. So uh, I hope that's been helpful. I recognize that for some of you it might be entirely unconvincing, and that's fine. I'm just glad you've politely watched, listened. Um, but if, it's, if you want to find out more Come to church, uh, read the Bible, 
Come hang out with us. Come figure out what this looks like. And if you've driven in here to listen to your kids singing, find a church nearby you that'll help you on this journey. It, it's really important. Uh, and no one can make that journey except you. No one can force you into it, right? And kids, uh, yeah, this is what this is. Let, let music and your joy and competence and giftedness at music do its full work in your life spiritually and set you up to live the best possible version of you now and forever. So let me pray, and then we're going to sing one more song together, and then the choir is going to come and sing a blessing for us as we finish up. So let's just bow our heads and uh, talk to God if that's uh, meaningful for you. So God, um, thank you for music that punches a hole between us and the something more. Thank you that you didn't just want us to have windows to, to heaven, you wanted us to have a door to heaven, and that, Jesus, you came and you, you are that door, and, and you punched a hole between heaven and earth, you punched a hole between us and all our ambivalence and frailty and, and the divine, holy, personal God. And then in this weird thing that does my head in, Jesus, you turned you turned around and you said to us, well, now it's up to us to open the door and to let you in. So I pray for me. I mean, Jesus, I'm professionally religious. Lord, I've been doing this for a long time. But this morning, I know that I need to let you in again. I need to let you in afresh. I need to just have the courage to throw open that door and say, more of you, Jesus, all of you, Jesus. I want heaven. I want the something more to saturate my being and fill me to overflowing. And maybe you want that as well this morning. Uh, maybe you've never even thought of asking Jesus into your life, throwing open the doors. Maybe this morning, just, just open the door a crack and go, come on in, God. Or maybe you've been religious and a follower of Jesus all your life, and to this morning, just say, come on in again. Come in afresh. Fill me. And Jesus, thank you that when we ask you in, when we invite you into our lives, you love to come in and work with us to turn us around and make us the best possible versions of ourselves forever. So thanks for this beautiful morning and this beautiful experience.